0: We're going to read the scripture from First John chapter 4. Just going to read those first six verses that read the introduction or the bit before this, this morning. But just these six verses as we come to verses 4 to 6 this evening. Hear the word of God. First John chapter 4 at verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. (coughs) He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of God. Error. First John 4. At verse 1 we read, Beloved, John is speaking to those he loves and whom God loves. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that verse really is the verse from which the rest of these verses flow. We looked at that this morning. And we saw that the most deadly of the false prophets are those who teach a different jesus you can hear all sorts of heresies and rubbish if you're a christian and it will harm your soul but if you hear about a different jesus when you're not a christian you will never come to faith in jesus christ at all and if you hear of a different jesus when you are a christian you should indeed be able, instinctively, to reject that teaching. And that's really what we have before us here in verses 4 to 6. We have that there are little children who are of God, in verse 4. We have, in contrast, the false teachers from the world, in verse 5. And we have the we are of God, verse 6, which I'm going to show, means the apostles, uh, who Christ sent to teach us and give us the foundation on which all our faith is based and so Christians are of God look at verse 4 you are of God little children you are born of God chapter 3 and verse 9 talks of those who have been born of God whose seed remains in us And in verse 10 of chapter 3, we are therefore called the children of God. We are children of God because we are born of him. And this tender words, aren't they? Beloved at the beginning of verse 1. Little children here. (coughs) Conscious, John is conscious by the Spirit that, that we are those whom God loves, but we're always in that sense little children. We're always those who are needing the help and the protection of our God all the time. We are not strong men in chapter 2 in a different context. He's talked of little children and fathers and young men who have overcome the wicked one. But, but here he's just saying little children. And yet what does he say? You have overcome. You are of God little children and have overcome them have overcome them past tense now what does he mean the false prophets are in the world the false prophets are going around trying to lead us astray from the faith how can he say to every christian how can god say in his word here to every christian you have overcome the false prophets well because if you are of god and you are a little child Then by his grace you have come to trust in the true, real Lord Jesus, the one who came in the flesh, the true Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. You have come to trust in him, and therefore you have already overcome the false prophets. All that they are trying to do here is to say, trust in the wrong Jesus, And if you are trusting in the right Jesus, then you've overcome them already. Now that that is a great thought, isn't it? And of course it immediately leads on to say, well I, I I haven't done anything. Some faithful person in some way preached or I read the scriptures or whatever and I came to see the true Christ and trust in him, but I know that I didn't do that of myself. It's all of God's grace. That I, he has made me a child, he has opened my eyes, have been born of God. It wasn't by my own wisdom and discernment. No, it wasn't, but still, by God's grace. There came a point where you overcame all the false teachers, bombarding us with lies about salvation and about God and about the perhaps the wider than Christ, isn't it? There is no salvation, there is no God. Or you can save yourselves, or whatever it might be. That The whole mass of all the forces of the evil one trying to tell us, lie upon lie upon lie, and you, a little child, as it were, have come through all that. And by God's grace, have come to Jesus Christ. You have overcome them. How? Well, because he came by his Holy Spirit into your soul and he brought about regeneration, the new birth. You have been made wise to salvation. God did it. So we are not sitting, standing sitting here saying, hey, I've overcome all the false prophets. I must be a pretty strong person. We are saying, how amazing. God has wrought in me in us and how has he done that well he says you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world now there are two thoughts about who the he is one thought is that it's talking about God The whole Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And it is absolutely true that Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with a person, then he will come to them and indeed the Father will come and make our home with them. And that's a perfectly legitimate interpretation. The other one is saying it's more that it's speaking specifically of the Holy Spirit. I don't think you have to really distinguish where the Holy Spirit comes, as I've just said. The Father and the Son are there. But we normally talk about it's the Holy Spirit who has come to live within us. Which again, I've given you one amazing thing already, haven't I, from the Word. We have overcome the false prophets. The second amazing thing is God is living within you and me. How extraordinary. No wonder the Lord Jesus spent much of the time in that discourse just before he died, telling the disciples about this. Because it's not really a truth that had been revealed, certainly not in its fullness before then. And and it's the foundation of everything. The foundation of everything in terms of our particular individual coming out of darkness the light coming into the salvation which Christ has purchased upon the cross, coming to enjoy the blessings of salvation, the spiritual blessings that are that are in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is in Christ, and how do we have them? Because the Holy Spirit has come to us, and He is greater than He who is in the world. Who is He who is in the world? Well, that would be Satan, wouldn't it? There are many in the world, but in this context, it's simply saying. Satan is seeking to always to to tell people lies and keep them from Christ. And the Holy Spirit has come into your heart and he is greater. The strong man has come in and plundered the kingdom of Satan in your soul. In chapter 5 and verse 19, John says, We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway, it says here, but literally in the wicked one. The whole world lies in the wicked one. But we, we are of God. God has has brought us out of that kingdom, delivered us. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 of the work of Satan. As the God of this world has blinded their minds who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And then he says, we, the apostles... Preach, not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. And then he says, when we preach, God, as he pleases, does this. The God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There is Satan blinding everyone from the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, here is God coming to work within us to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He overcomes, he overcomes. And so by his grace we have overcome the evil ones who go around seeking to teach a false Christ. And why is this? Because we have been born of God. And though the usual way that... that uh, that that is spoken of is indeed a regeneration, a new birth. It involves, and this is certainly taught in other places as from here, this involves the opening of spiritual eyes as well as the giving of a new heart. These are actual metaphors, aren't they? So that we see by new given spiritual eyes from God, we see the true Lord Jesus and we trust in him. And if you can say that's what you've done this evening, then you can say, yes, I am a little child, but I am of God. And I have overcome these false teachers who would teach a different Christ to the destruction of people's souls. Because he who is in me is greater than Satan, greater than he who is in the world. We hated Christ and we loved sin. And now we love Christ. And we hate sin. And that is all the work of God. Chapter 3 and verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And we know that whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That is, that is us. By the work of the Holy Spirit, by his Power. So we keep rejecting the false prophets concerning Christ. There is that spiritual recoil within us. We might get deceived by many people. You can go onto the internet and social media and you can see an incredible, I was going to say infinite, it isn't but it seems, an infinite amount of rubbish. And of that which will destroy your minds and your souls and will tell you all sorts of things. Just don't go there. But I would suggest that when you do that, and though you can do great harm to your soul, even then, if you come across someone who is denying Christ, you will say, I'm not listening to that. Because there is that within us which just says no. We should say no to many things we don't say no to, to listen to. Whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is good, whatever is honourable, think on these things and that the person and God will be with you, says Paul. The God of truth will be with you, of peace. But we will require from the false teacher. So the Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door. And you have three options don 't you? You can go to the door and you can try to tell him of Christ or them of Christ the two of them. You can go to the door and find you get unwisely tied up in all sorts of spiritual, all sorts of pointless arguments I remember. Uh, having to get out of an argument, I'm never sure how we got into it. Of a man who insisted that it was really important that Babylon fell ten years before it actually did. I don't even know why it mattered to him. Or you can hide behind the sofa. That's the third option, and hope they go away. But the point is, what you're not going to do as a Christian is go and say, "Oh yeah, I think yeah, I, I think you've got something there," because you know you haven't. You know you have Christ, and you know he has. They haven't got. Christ. And if they're talking of Jesus, they're not talking of the real one. And this is what God has wrought in us. By opening our spiritual eyes and coming to dwell within us, we have overcome the false teachers about Christ. Well, glorify God for that. That's where we are. That's us. Let's move secondly to the false teachers. We must move on to verse 5. They are of the world. If they are false, they are of God the world. And so he says, therefore they speak as of the world. (laughs) Actually, really it should be just simply, therefore they speak of the world. And that's, there's a lot of thought that needs to be put into that. uh, Because it's really saying, isn't it, everything they say is worldly. Everything they say comes from below. They speak of the world, they speak from the world, they speak as those who are in the world. So what do we do? We have to test all teachers by the word, don't we? Isaiah, remember in a, a different context, but it's the same challenge always, the same spiritual challenge, the same spiritual battle. Isaiah 8 and verse 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So we test everybody who tells us anything about spiritual things, who claims to be teaching anything whatsoever about, well, let's use a wide word, you know, religion or, or anything in this sphere, you test them by the word. If someone quite comes and tries to tell you uh, some complicated matter of physics, you might not understand it, it might be right or wrong, you can't test that by the word. But everything to do with God and with how we relate to him, you test it by the word. And John says, and the word, the world hears them. And we are not to be surprised that the world hears them. Because I'm sure the JWs, to use an illustration, knock on many doors and nobody wants to talk to them. But some people will listen to them. And there are people don't misunderstand me, who are teaching things, I don't know if they knock on your doors, but they certainly come on the internet, who would teach you far worse things than the JWs. Let me prove that point. Because you see, there are people out there who would teach a Jesus who allows their sins. And they would teach you that if you listen to them. Who will say God is love, which is true, He uh, gloriously true. He accepts you as you are, which is a half-truth, isn't it? Satan often covers up the lies under a semblance of truth. If you are a sinner tonight, you come to Jesus as you are. But if you come to remain as you are, you have not come to the real Jesus. If you come to a Jesus who says, that's fine, you're a sinner, stay a sinner. That's fine, you're committing all these sins in your life, it doesn't matter, I love you anyway. That is not the Lord Jesus Christ who saves from sin. He came to save us from our sins, not so that we might remain in our sins. And there is a vast amount of teaching around. You can go into church building after church building and find different degrees. Those who will say it doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter what sins you're involved in, doesn't matter what your lifestyle is like, doesn't matter all the things that you're doing that the Scripture says are sinful. You just trust in Jesus, and you can carry on. That's fine, and you'll get to heaven. The Jesus they're teaching is not the one who is. There are other false teachings, of course. There are those who teach that Jesus is just a teacher. And a teacher of vague goodwill toward God, and you sort of look at their Jesus, so called, and you try and sort of say, well, what really is at the centre of of him? And you sort of strip away all the layers, and there's nothing there in the middle at all. It's just a word of someone who sort of teach who they think, well, he teaches the sort of things I think that everybody should be nice to each other. And you think, how much have they read the scriptures of Christ? The one who went about doing good, who loved sinners, who called them to himself, who was full of love and compassion on them. And the one who was most severe (coughs) against those who had a form of godliness and denied its power. Of those who would lead others astray. There are those who would teach Jesus and they'd look at the word of God and they'd teach, yes he came, he's the son of God, whatever they mean by that. And he did all the miracles, uh, uh, maybe they'd say that, they might go that far. And all the teaching and then when you get to the cross and they say, oh no, he didn't die for sinners. He is not a substitute, he is not a penal sacrifice for sin." What was happening on the cross, they will say, was not that God was paying his own price as the Father laid our sins upon his Son. They will not say the things that are going to be, I'm sure, said on Saturday about the redemption and reconciliation and the propitiation that is in Christ. They will say anything but that. And the world will listen. You see, people will follow these things. They will follow those who might say that when people talk of Jesus, they're talking of some sort of force to give power. They'd say a man, but when it comes down to it, they're really saying someone who will give me power or who will restrain demons by by some sort of magical means. You might not get so much of that in this country. You certainly get it Abundantly in Africa, asked Ekpa. And I know a man, a, a Christian brother, who ended up in Cornwall and, and came across someone who claimed to be a pastor of a church, an African, because uh, this heresy peculiarly comes out of Africa, and who would said, and he said, "Oh well, uh, I'm going around my church building, and he'd sacrificed the lamb, and he was going around taking the blood and sprinkling it all over the church building to keep the demons away. And the brother who I know didn't really know what to say, where do you start? It's a bit like Judges 17, isn't it? Where do I start with the errors here? <laughs> Which one comes first? Uh, you know, Micah and his idols. Uh, and thinking he was doing right when he was doing everything wrong. And, and, and people are deceived by this. People are deceived into to a Jesus who says, give the preacher all your money. I don't think that happens here helpfully. People will see teacher Jesus who they say, oh, he was a homosexual, all sorts of blasphemous things about him. He got married, had children. And the world, you, you know, people will come on, on the radio and other places, not just on the social media, and discuss these things. The more bizarre the theory, the more people will say, oh, well, maybe that's true. And you hear people talking about Jesus in all these ways. And people take them seriously. And all of it. You just turn to the word of God. And you say. Oh, and there's many other errors I could mention aren't there. And you just say. That's completely untrue. But there are people. Who are supposed to be intelligent. Who, who, will, who will take this on board. And think about it. We are not to be surprised. The world hears the speakers from the world. Because they are congenial. To them, anything people who think they ought to think of Jesus will happily listen to anything they are taught, except the reality of the real Lord Jesus Christ. Because the one thing they do not want to to believe, and the one person they do not want to have to deal with, is the Jesus who is the Son of God who came from heaven and became man, and died on the cross, and rose from the dead, and who caused people to himself in order that our sins might not only be forgiven, but the power of them broken in our lives, and we are made holy. And they do not want to be holy. And nor, before we point all the fingers at them, did we, until the Holy Spirit came into our hearts. But we're not to be surprised that false Jesuses abound and are listened teaching about them is listened to what do we do then well let's come to verse six thirdly the apostles were from god john says we are of god and i'll show you that this this is, he means him and those who are preaching go back to chapter one and verse one that which was from the beginning this is christ which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. You notice that, which we have heard, we have seen, we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. You can't say that, I can't say that, only the apostles could say that. This life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. In other words, John is saying, as we, the apostles, preach Christ, it's in order to bring you into fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John was conscious of his office. He was conscious that he was collegiate, as we could say, with Christ's apostles. And so was Peter. Peter. Because Peter speaks in Second Peter and chapter 1 and verses 16 to 18. For we, note the we, did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honour and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the transfiguration Peter is speaking of. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter, James and John, they were the only ones there. That's the we here. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well, other believers, to listen to, to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this first, no prophecy of scripture. So this is what he's going on to say. He's talking about the inscripturation of apostolic truth. No prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, not the best word, really origin. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and in the New. And he's an apostle and he knows that. And he says, listen to the apostles of Jesus Christ. And Paul can say this. Paul, who was born out of due time and says, well, I, you know, I really shouldn't be called an apostle, but I am. Because Christ has made me such. And in 1 Corinthians and, and chapter 2 And you'll notice, I can't go through it all, but the we's, again, we speak wisdom, verse 6 and verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And he goes on in verse 10, God revealed these things, the deep things of God, to us, the apostles, through his spirit. Uh, for, for as he goes on to say in verse 12, we the apostles have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, which the Holy Spirit teaches. This is the inspiration of the apostles in their preaching and in their writing, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, and so in verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, he quotes from Isaiah, but we have the mind of Christ. Who can say we have the mind of Christ? The apostles can say we have the mind of Christ, and only then, because they were right, because the Lord Jesus had promised them this, and he fulfilled his promise, and they knew he had. John 14 and verse 25, he says to them, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. This is the Apostles. Go on to chapter 16 and verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, his spirit come, of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will t- speak Uh, not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come and he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you and he fulfilled it and these men went forth and they preached the truth and they preached it infallibly and then, under God's providence, certain of them wrote these things down. And we have it, and we have it in the Bible. We have all truth. So we have Christ's mind, because, not because we work things out for ourselves, or because things are individually revealed to us, but because the Holy Spirit illumines us to understand the Scriptures and to understand Christ's mind, which is found in the writings of the apostles. And if we are of God, we will listen to them. That's what John is saying here, isn't it? Back in First John chapter 4, we are of God, he who knows God hears us. He who knows God, says the apost- says an apostle, we are of God and he who knows God will hear us the apostles. And he who is not of God does not hear us. He who doesn't listen to the apostles is not from God. He may be some eloquent preacher, but he is not preaching, he will not preach the true Christ. He might claim to have spiritual experiences. Judas Iscariot had spiritual experiences. He might claim to be able to give spiritual power to other people. And there's been plenty who've said they can do that. But if they are not teaching the real Jesus Christ, they have not listened to the apostles, they are not of God. Because John says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is how we know. Who is speaking by the spirit of truth? And who is speaking by the spirit of error? We say, are they speaking according to the truth that the apostles taught? Now I don't suppose I have to prove to many of you that that is right or you wouldn't be sitting week by week in a church where the Bible is faithfully preached. But we need to have this reinforced, don't we? Because there are it matters because there are many so-called Christian groups of every shade who oppose God's teaching. They oppose God's teaching on matters of doctrine, on who God is, who Jesus is. It's not just the JWs, is it? The Mormons are trying to convince people more and more now that they're really just one other denomination. They didn't used to believe say that, but they do now. And, and they preach a different Jesus. And, and, and we need to be aware. People, people who will teach falsehood, but say they're Christians, are matters of doctrine. On morality. We've covered this already. There's so many who who would teach really just trust God, love God, live as you like, uh, 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 and say you'll be all right. You'll go to heaven. So many. You can't can't name them all. But you can go into churches where you say, oh, 50 years ago they were preaching the truth, and now you sadly have to say, what on earth is going on here? What are they teaching? They have departed from the faith. There are many who would teach false prophecies now and lead people astray. And it's all done in the name of Christ. It's all done technically in the name of the Jesus Christ who had come in the flesh. But it's not true. And we need to be on our guard, brothers and sisters. Lest we too are led astray. You don't have to go into church buildings. You just, if you've got one, put on your computer or your phone and you are bombarded with this rubbish. Dangerous rubbish. Soul-deluding rubbish. And it may be there's occasions you need to listen to what errorists are saying for a certain reason. But do it very sparingly and only if you really have a good reason what is better to use half an hour listening to people who say I don't agree with him he's teaching error or spending half an hour studying the scriptures meditating on God's word let us keep ourselves pure there is a fanaticism around people will believe any spirit and not just the Holy Spirit indeed those who believe any spirit won't believe the Holy Spirit A man who was led astray by all of these things and claimed to have great spiritual power once said to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, challenging him, are you being used? And Martin Lloyd-Jones could have answered that many ways, but he said, used by whom? And that is the key, isn't it? Who is speaking to you? Who is speaking about Jesus, is he really speaking about the real Lord Jesus Christ? The spirit of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, of the real Lord Jesus. What should we do then? Let me say three things. First of all, treasure. Treasure what God in his amazing grace has given us. The word of life. This book, which is small enough to carry around in our hands and contains everything we need and at the kernel and the centre of it is the real Lord Jesus Christ, the living Lord. Treasure what God has given us. Don't let anyone take it away from you by leading you somewhere else, away from him. Secondly, treasure this also. Treasure the faithfulness of God in giving us his real son. God has not only given us the word of life, God has given us his son. There's John right at the end, isn't it? We know that the son of God has come and given us an understanding. That we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Back to verse 12 of that chapter. He who has the son. Verse 11. This is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. But look, look at the positives of that. God has given us eternal life by giving us his son. I can say that, can't I? You say, oh, that's true. Just think about that for a moment. Just think that sentence through, it's a scriptural sentence, isn't it? God has given you his son, and in him he has given you eternal life. Have you lost the wonder of it? Have you? Does that thought pass through your mind without striking you? We should be little children. We should be like little children in many ways and one of the ways is the little child to whom all things which are there every day are still a fresh source of wonder. The little child who goes out and plays in the garden and, and, and it's the same garden as it has been all year but he's still saying, hey, it's great to be here. We must not lose our sense of wonder at what God has done for us. And so lastly, learn of him. Learn of Christ. Learn of him through the word. Listen only to that which leads you to him, never to that which leads you away from him. Learn of him. Love him. Cling to him. Well, may God help us. He who has given us his Holy Spirit and we have overcome the false teachers to go on listening only to the voice of God, the voice of the Saviour, the voice of the Good Shepherd through his word which he has given us. Let's pray. Lord God we bless you that you have given us what we need, everything we need for life and for godliness. You have given us your Holy Spirit to work in our souls, to bring us to the Christ whom you have first given us to die on the cross for us. You have given us your word to lead us and teach us in everything we need to know, a complete and infallible word. You give us yourself to be with us and to lead us on and to bring us safe to glory. What do we not have that we need? We thank you for your unsearchable, (coughs) infinite love to us in Christ. And may we live out the reality of our response to that of right, as your beloved, as your little children. In this week and in the rest of our life, for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.